Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 14th, 2011. Newcomers to the show, I suggest you look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com websites. Help yourself to the hundreds of audios up there where I try to give you shortcuts to understanding this system in which you're born, well, you're born into it. It pre-existed your birth, of course, and your parents and their parents as well. And I show you how big foundations, big organizations all work together. I'm sure there's a capstone uh, controlling all of it to bring in a planned world order for the next 100 years or 150, maybe 200 years. And we're going through the transitions right now, the big transitions where everything that was has to go. That's everything in society, everything you're accustomed to, all the old ways of tradition, etc., have to be tossed out the window. And the chaos that you're experiencing now uh, is all part of that uh, in families and breakups and uh, and single mums and no mums and, and all that kind of stuff. That's all part of the getting rid of the old to bring in the new, the planned society run by Big Brother, of course, Big Brother, the big state, the world state, which will bring in a more perfected society where we'll all obey and be very happy, apparently, uh, in obeying uh, and, and giving are all for the world state. That's going to be our function, is to give our all for the state. So help yourself to those audios. And while you're at it, remember I sell books and discs and cutting through the matrix.com website. You can help yourself to, uh, to see the audios for free. But keep me going, whatever you do. Do so by buying these things. From the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check or an international postal money order. Some people just send cash. You can use PayPal to order as well. You'll see the donation button on the com site. Just use that with the appropriate amount, followed by an email with your name and address and order, and I'll get it out to you. And it's the same across the rest of the world with the addition of Western Union for straight wire transfer. Or you can use MoneyGram, which does the same thing, but they also have the addition of uh, checks, which you can purchase and post. And it'll take seven days or so. It's much cheaper, though, to get it across. Um, you can also use PayPal again to order, use a donation button and an email with the name, address and order, and I'll get it out to you. And we are going through the big transitions. We see it all around us. We see it in the countries that they're bombing and blowing up and uh, destroying the infrastructure. Because, again, you've you got to destroy the old physically sometimes in order to bring in the new. And those countries which have old, old traditions and will, will not bend, will not join the World Bank uh, don't believe in usury and all that kind of stuff. They just have to be bombed into the Stone Age. And they have other places to bomb yet before it's finished. Once it's finished, mind you, the big the big war machine and the tax machine that funds it all is the U.S. And that will be brought down even further. They're keeping, they're stalling the effects of the massive debt in the U.S. until this is all complete. But then once it's done, believe you me, they'll rapidly, rapidly, the U.S. down to probably further than even the state of Britain. 
because it owes so much money, supposedly, to the big money boys. And that is the agenda. And we are living through, as I say, it can be an exciting period if you're not uh, starving to death. Um, it can be a, a worrisome period if you are up to your eyes in debt or you're paying rents and your, your job is very shaky if you even have one anymore. Um, it can be a terrible time to try and come through. And yet we're all going through it together at the same time. All different strata of people go through this at the same time. And it's a worldwide agenda, as I say. If you study Karl Marx, it's so amazing that all the planks, the Communist Manifesto, have been accomplished. And now you're paying your taxes not to help yourselves, but to redistribute the wealth to other countries across the seas. Back with more after this. folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And this big system we're living through is, is an astonishing system indeed, because we've talked a lot about the Council on Foreign Relations on this particular show, and of course their parent company, which is the Royal Institute of International Affairs as well in Britain, and they even have a European Council on Foreign Relations branch now for the whole of Europe. And every member of parliament at the top is a member of this particular organization. We're not run by anything called democracy. You would understand that because the Council on Foreign Relations and Royal Institute of International Affairs was never set up to be uh, a democratic uh, institution by any means at all. In fact, it was incredibly secret in what it did and even what it called itself uh, right through to World War II at times. Winston Churchill knew it existed. He just didn't know the name of the organization but he was astonished to find it had written uh, and given the school books out for a few generations already of British school children. And these were the guys who admitted in their own um, archives, which Professor Carl Quigley was allowed into since he was a Council of Foreign Relations historian. Uh, these were the guys who helped to bring on wars because, you see, you can't restructure the world and the way it's set up unless you bring on wars. And remember, too, there are many kinds of wars, not just the purely bombing and shooting types of wars. There are economic wars and various other ways to get what you want in, in the world. And all of that's being used, of course. These guys, too, according to Quigley, uh, don't mind working with communists, fascists, dictators, and all the rest of it. They're all welcome. However, they were often mistaken for being in a communist organization themselves. And that came out at the Rees Commission in the 1950s when the Congress demanded an inquiry into the foundations in the U.S., uh, wondering why they were funding what apparently were communist fronts. And it came out, as I've said many times before, uh, that Norman Dodd and others were astonished when they were told by the CEO of Ford Foundation uh, that their job was to blend the Soviet system with that of the West. And... Of course, all these top members, as I say, were council in foreign relations, and their job is, is, is to bring in a form of socialistic system across the world, a very authoritarian system too. And remember, again, they were all eugenicists at the top. They helped form this organization and bankers, the biggest bankers on the planet, from the Milner Group that was comprised of bankers to the 
the Cecil Rhodes Foundation, and then two merged together into the Royal Institute of International Affairs. So they have branches across the whole world, India and everywhere, and they've been working steadily towards this world amalgamation. And they have, of course, their, their Institute for Pacific Relations, which again is just a member, a part, a front of the Council on Foreign Relations. Their job for the last 60 years was to find a way to bring China regardless of if it was communist or otherwise, even before it was communist, they didn't care. Uh, China, Australia, New Zealand, and the Far East into the Pacific Rim region, which they would call a block for trading. And free trade was to be the way they were going to merge these countries in. Because with trade, you see, it all comes down to economics. And every country's laws, as every economist knows, revolves around your, your trade and your income. Therefore, once you join countries together under any association, the, the, all the laws must change as they get bound together under one system. Per is a beautiful technique, and it has worked, as, as everyone knows, in Europe. It has worked. And they did want uh, the, the American amalgamation to be completed uh, by, by this time. In fact, we are merging incredibly fast, mainly in semi-secrecy in Canada and the States and Mexico and even Chile and a few other ones because they're still working hard at it. And they know the public will be upset if they find out just how far they've gone with it. But they're already sharing taxes and various other things as we go into this economic amalgamation. And we're, we're sharing, too, all personal data from the CIA, FBI, CSIS in Canada, RCMP, uh, on all of the citizenry with each other using the same computer system. So we're doing all of that. So we are amalgamating here, and at the same time, we're doing the same with the Pacific Rim region. But Quigley also talks about the, the system of control, uh, even to do with the corporations which would run, help run the world. In fact, they would be the bosses that would be um, superior to governments. We're in that phase. Now, Jack Satali also said the same thing, and he has spoken about that at numerous meetings, public meetings in the last year or two, that this is the way it's to be. A super type of government will be worldwide, but mainly be comprised of big international corporations that will be, as Quigley said, the new feudal overlords. They'll dictate to governments, and governments now are in so many private partnerships, there's hardly any real government doing any real governing left across the world. It's already happened. And you'll find the big corporations, the big charitable foundations like the Rand Corporation that sets up the agendas for so many things that governments come to them for, uh, Rand does all the, the inquiry work. They, they, they set up plans to overcome things. Other organizations do it too for government, and they class themselves as charitable organizations. And here they are with this incredible power to change the world, and governments listen and jump to it and implement crazy, what seems to be as crazy ideas. But this is the time, remember, for change and the implementation of all of these crazy ideas. It doesn't matter if some of them don't work. They'll come back with plan B, C, D, E, and F, regardless of the chaos they cause in society uh, along the way. It's interesting that Rockefeller, at one of the big meetings, said a long time ago, I think in the 90s, he said, uh, well, this is the generation, he said, that's um, the cannon fodder for the agenda. 
that's economic meltdown, everything. We're the cannon fodder. And he also said, but unfortunately, you can't make an omelette without making, breaking eggs. And that's what all the chaos is. It's just the broken eggshells that you're wading through right now. And that's how they view the world, these people at the top. Um, they're incredibly superior in all their attitudes. Uh, very arrogant, of course, because they've been brought up in a form of aristocracy. And they're incredibly wealthy. They can get wars going whenever they wish them to. And they control all the media. And they put their own boys into politics as well. Every president and prime minister since the late 1800s uh, in Britain and the U.S. has been, um, and Canada for that matter, has been a member of this organization, according to Professor Carl Quigley. It doesn't matter about the ones down below. He said that the junior politicians are allowed a, a, set, a form of competition amongst themselves and their opposing parties, but the top guys are always members of the same organization, still the same today. So it doesn't matter what party you vote for, you're voting one of their boys in. And that's why you're always astonished is that, that they go off in these weird tangents that don't seem to fit the party line. And that's always the way of it. But this organization also wants, and they started off from the, their very beginning for taking over the world's resources, even when they ran the Cecil Rhodes Group. And they were taking over the world's resources in all, in, in minerals, in, in uh, gold, silver, diamonds, um, and land, of course, land, and even food supplies. Now they're really into the food supply for the entire planet. And now, how old is this agenda? We'll go back again to Karl Marx, who talked about the craziness of having different companies all doing the same thing, meaning a free market competition. And he wanted, he said eventually one organization could run this, another could run that. That means one could run eventually the whole food supply of the planet. Think of the power of that. And, and everything in society when it comes to power is used for social political reasons. It's used as a cudgel over you. This article here is from The Ecologist, which, of course, is a greenie site, and, uh, uh, but sometimes they put something out worthwhile reading. And ecology, remember, is economy and the planet and its, its uh, sustainability uh, of, of so many human beings and all that stuff. That's how, basically, the Darwins uh, described ecology. It says, revealed how seed market is controlled by, by Monsanto, Syngenta, Bayer, Dow, and DuPont. Now, these are the big chemical organizations that generally work for warfare purposes and still do. It says, a graphic illustrates how just five biotech giants have increased their control of the global seed market, promoting monoculture farming and making it harder for farmers to find alternative sources of seeds. It says, uh, from the mid-90s, they've been doing this, and it says, Philip Howard from the Michigan State University, who has produced a unique visual and it's on here, the link too. I'll put these up tonight at cuttingtrudemates.com. To illustrate this growing concentration of power in the hands of a few companies, says the takeover of the seed market has been dramatic and it's getting harder for farmers to find alternatives. In the U.S., for example, where 90% of the soybeans grown are genetically modified varieties, many conventional farmers have had difficulty obtaining non-genetically modified seeds to plant. In warfare, what you do, you, 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 you annihilate your competition. This is warfare. 
Howard says the increasing power of seed companies is incompatible with renewal agricultural practices such as saving and replanting seeds. They don't want you to save your seeds. They want you to use theirs. He says one solution to restricting the control would be through banning the practice of granting patents on seeds, plants, and genes. Well, good luck to you because these guys own the course. A patent gives a company exclusive rights to sell and develop a new invention. In the case of patents on plants and genes, it grants them temporary monopolies and bans farmers from saving seeds, forcing them to buy new seeds from the company each year or pay a license to use patented seeds they have saved. And, by the way, you can save these things, and most of these seeds have what they call terminator genes, so they don't replant when you try to use them, forcing the farmers to go back every year for the, the, the because it goes up every year to the prices for the increased priced new seed. And remember, too, that goes right down to the family garden, because eventually, if they find some of their seeds in your, your potato lot, uh, you're in big trouble. And they do use the courts, these characters, because they're allowed to, you see. The big club at the top allows them to do it. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And another article from the same uh, website, The Ecologist, talks about Monsanto's philanthropy. Now I've talked about philanthropy because, you see, everything's done under charitable institutions and foundations, and that's also what Quigley called the parallel government. It's a parallel government runs the world, not through your government. They tell your government what to do, and they run all over the planet doing whatever they wish to under the guise of charitable um, works. And means while well, they're taking over the entire planet, and they force public policy to be forced through government. It's not hard to do, and the guys in government know it's all supposed to be this way because their bosses told them so. So they give in to these characters and pass laws to help them. But he's worried about Monsanto's philanthropy. By the way, Pachuri, who's the the extreme driver that now runs the the world's uh, global warming institution. Uh, the the IPCC for the United Nations, who's been in trouble with so many cons and scams that he's up to as he rakes in millions of of dollars personally for his charitable institutions, has just had people look into his books for all these charitable institutions, and and my God, what a mess they're in. There's just, according to them, he's, 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 he's only bringing in a few thousand a year each, even though the other documents show that multi-thousands come into each one of these institutions. It just disappears. But that's what runs the world, you know. And he's allowed to do it, obviously, or they'd have got rid of him a while ago. But um, here's Monsanto's philanthropy. It says, how do you get your GM crops and herbicides into countries that don't want them and can't afford them? Simple, you just wait for a crisis and offer a helping hand. Any predator looks for a vulnerable prey, Malawi, after the drought, was just the right kind of prey. Over a period of several years, biotech giant Monsanto has worked very hard to build and its image as a champion of the poor. And that's true. Remember, too, these organizations, what they do is they spin off a charitable institution that works for them, and they use millions of dollars to, to hire marketers in Madison Avenue to brainwash us into the good work that they're doing. But it's all done so that they can get a foot in the door into these countries and flog their, their, their 
poisonous wares. It says, to legitimize this image, it has engaged in a high-profile effort through giving grants to some established, again, here's these awful creatures, these non-governmental organizations, such as the World Vision. Everyone's heard of World Vision. It's a front for them. And, and they take pay kickbacks, of course, for doing this. Monsanto established Monsanto Fund in 1964 as a charitable arm of the company. Isn't that nice? It states that our philanthropic goal has been to bridge the gap between people's needs and their available resources. We want to help people realize their dreams and hopefully inspire them to enroll others in their vision. Oh, it sounds wonderful. We like that kind of speech. Politicians make these speeches, men with vision and stuff like that. Monsanto has also Monsanto Fund Matching Gifts Program. This program gives permanent Monsanto employees and active members of the Monsanto Board of Directors an opportunity to join Monsanto Fund's support of non-for-profit organizations or institutions. Monsanto makes it candid that the request for support of a non-governmental organization is honored and if the recipient organization adheres to the guidelines of the matching gifts program. So there's, there's catches come with these wonderful charitable gifts and help. Eligible organizations include but are not limited to colleges, universities, private and public elementary and secondary schools, organizations that serve youth, museums, libraries, health and human service agencies, environmental, community and cultural organizations. Well, I guess that sews up the whole lot. World Vision is one of the recipients of the matching gifts. Isn't that nice? Eh? So it's, uh, it says that activities are, are meant to not only improve its image, but also to provide key relationships. That's the main reason for it. It understands better than anyone that relationships, partnerships, and networks are the key for success of the company. Then he goes on to, to 2006. In his 2006 IBM lecture at Westminster College, and believe you me, IBM is into everything. All these corporations are under IBM. Fulton, Missouri, on Sabina Souza and the New Shoes, introducing technologies into developing countries. Hugh Grant, chairman, president, and CEO of Monsanto, focused on agriculture in sub-Saharan Africa. He took Malawi as a model where agriculture is the primary industry. According to Grant, 72% of the people's caloric intake depends on maize or corn. Maize or corn is a staple food in most sub-Saharan African countries. Monsanto was seeking a foothold in the sub-Saharan Africa. Grant said, we haven't broken through in Africa and in any of the sub-Saharan African countries, so what do we need? We need one African country to say yes, one African country to start field trials. We need to start the field trials and start testing this in African soil. And at Monsanto, we're ready to work with an array of partners to make it happen. So it says, waiting to strike. The right, the right time for Monsanto came with the arrival of severe drought in Malawi, started in 2004. Any predator looks for a vulnerable prey. Malawi, after the drought, was just the kind of prey companies like Monsanto look for. According to Grant, Monsanto held a discussion with relief organizations, as your non-governmental organizations. The Malawi government and some of the relief agencies, particularly an agency called, an agency called World Vision, they got together and said, this is going to keep on happening unless we take a different approach, and that's what we did. So this goes on and on, of course, and Monsanto announced its intention to donate 700 metric tons of quality hybrid maize seeds. That's the genetically modified terminator gene type seeds that you've got to buy their chemicals too to kill off all the weeds, uh, and the stuff doesn't kill off the maize, you see. 
So that's how they get their foot in the door, through charitable relief. They tried the same thing in Haiti recently as well, and apparently people wanted to burn it. I don't know if they did. I hope so. Because they get you under their gun. You've got to buy only their chemicals to go with it. Back with more after this break. listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and just finishing up just finishing up with uh, Monsanto and it goes on in an article to talk about how it's done and how they get in and how they make the farmers dependent on them and they've got to buy all their chemicals to go with it and round up ready and all that kind of stuff and uh, and how they've got to buy new seed every year. They can't save seed. So they're utterly dependent then on Monsanto. That's the war tactic that's used with Monsanto and other organizations. The same thing's happened in India and it's interesting the Rothschilds were in there buying up all the farmers who were committing suicide, all their farms for peanuts, about a year, two years ago. I read it on the air at the time uh, from the official media again. And um, and bingo, in come all the GM food and stuff, and they got what they wanted for almost nothing. It's quite something. The farmers were killing themselves because of the, the, the incredible um, onslaughts into forcing them to try to use this GM seed, which they didn't want. And they went under, plus it was poisoning the land. The ones that were using it poisoned the land. All that stuff went into their wells. And uh, miles away, the stuff was traveling underground and underground streams into other folks' wells. And and I'm sure it killed a lot of people off. But then that's nothing at all when warfare is being waged. And this corporate war is a very important part of this agenda. Another article, too, is to do with... Uh, how the greenies, you know, the big chewing crowd to create this big religion of global warming or global whatever it is now. They've got all kinds of names for it. They're trying to cover every base because all their predictions have always been wrong. It doesn't matter, though. You can't keep a good religion down. And there's an article here from the 28th of December uh, where Michael Hanlon tries to talk to the Greenies and tell them to change their tactics because they made, a, made a, a laughing stock of themselves. So they're reformulating, regrouping, and ready to give you another onslaught of utter nonsense and other directions. And another article, too, I'll put up tonight at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com is we went to war to keep the army busy. This is from Britain. Top diplomat sparks outrage saying troops were sent to Afghanistan so the forces' numbers would not be cut. And as from the Daily Mail, a furious row was erupted in Whitehall after a former Kabul envoy claimed British commanders committed troops to war in Afghanistan because they feared cuts if they did not use them. And that's quite an interesting article too because, uh, again, economy and economic wars are nothing new and all government departments uh, get their budgets cut if they don't use up all their uh, quota of cash for the year. And here they go, so let's have a little war here, and that's all up the ante, and they can, um, they can ask for more and more money all the time. Not a bad way of doing business, eh? It's just lives you're killing, that's all. For corporations that take over, but that's, they don't mind, the soldiers don't mind at all. 
I've talked so many times about mind control, and I've gone through scientific literature with you, and the books, sometimes from psychology departments, universities, and all the experiments they're doing. I've talked about even movies that put some of this stuff into actual experiments which were done on people, and uh, even MK Ultra and uh, The Sleep Room. It's a very good movie, by the way, out now. It's called The Killing Room. It's a, it's a kind of novelistic way of taking over from The Sleep Room and an MK Ultra that never disappeared in a fictional form. But what they portray is, I'm, I'm sure, has actually happened and probably happens, uh, has been happening for a long time. They go a step further with their techniques in psychology because that's one of the main sciences that those who run the world put their faith in and how they can manipulate us through different ways and predict our movements. Uh, because we all must be very predictable. That's why you have the computer, and that's what they're doing every day with all these applications that scan you and monitor you and say that we're not collecting your personal data. It's just to help the service and all that rubbish. They're, they're, they're taking all your data. And um, again, that's been predicted would happen in the future where private companies are running the world. Even Jack Satali said that will collect all the data on behalf of government. In fact, they'll sell it to the government rather than they have the government involved getting it all for you. And they introduce things step by step until you... You see, if you want to change anything, and Skinner brought this up, he said if you want to change any people's behavior, you change something in their environment. Well, you put a television there, and then you put a computer there later on, and then you change the computer slightly here and there, and such a way it doesn't scare them uh, step by step. If it's too much of a jump, you'll terrify them. Uh, and we're just like animals in that, that, that respect. So you change it little by little, and then you bring them into a whole new world. Uh, it's just like putting your breadcrumbs out for birds or follow you in the house if, if, they, if, they, if you do it very carefully over a period of days or weeks. It says the app that can read your mind, mind iPhone brainwave detector arrives. And I mentioned this about a year ago, they were working on this thing where it actually can pulse your brain. Uh, just like invisible fingers going over your different parts of your brain and detect what parts are in use at a certain time. And then it'll, it'll get the patterns of your brain waves and even your behavior, your personality and your personal behavior. And it will then, it can actually pulse back to you and alter your behavior. Remember, it's a two-way street here. But this app can read your mind. iPhone brainwave detector arrives. And it says it's a device that would be more at home on the set of a Star Wars movie than on the streets of Britain. But an iPhone application has been developed that can read minds. The X-Wave allows users to control on-screen objects with their minds, as well as train their brains to control attention spans and relaxation levels. That would be a great one with the New Agers. It'll sort of take over from yoga. And uh, they'll, they'll feel these lovely, lovely sensations come over them and they get nice and relaxed as they're being reconditioned, re-altered and brainwashed. But anyway, it says, um, uh, the device that could confuse Luke Skywalker himself is the latest in the field of emerging mind-controlled games and devices and works via a headset strapped around the user's forehead, plugging into the iPhone jack. The state-of-the-art sensor within the device can then read the user's brainwaves through the skull, converting them into digital signals before displaying them in various colors on the iPhone and screen. It says, and as the mind focuses on a particular task, the graphics change, indicating the user's level of concentration or relaxation. 
the high-tech sensor was developed by innovation's giant PLX devices using technology that has for years been used by doctors to treat epilepsy and seizures in patients. So, again, it's just getting you trained and trained and trained because eventually that is what's to happen. The whole thing about the world is to bring peace to the planet, do you understand? And they've done lots of things to bring peace to the planet. And uh, in the, at the moment, they're in their last legs of destroying the last main religion that stood up against them. And uh, that's one thing that they claim that we'll get rid of it too. Christianity is gone by the, the board. I don't even recognize what's left of Christianity. And uh, only a few other ones are left. Uh, Buddhism is of no harm whatsoever because you're already happy regardless of what happens. It's, you know, it's just the big all itself and you're all part of the all. It doesn't make any difference what happens. It's the wheel of life. So, you know, that's, that's really where they're going with all of this. But they want to replace it with something else. And remember that Huxley talked about people not being too happy. He says they're happy. That's how he spoke, you see. They were not too happy. So what was wrong with, with using pharma to make them all nice and happy with drugs, you see? And we see the outcome of that today, uh, the fallout everywhere with uh, drugs, both uh, supposedly legal and illegal drugs, where folk are just out of it altogether. Uh, so this is a better way to do it. If they can control our brains through technology, they can monitor you on the go uh, by the moment and then adjust your brain to the situation and to the, to the mood that they would like you to be in. So you feel no anxiety. So when the cops come up and beat your head in, you'll, you'll, you'll probably say, thank you very much, Mr. Policeman, and, and go on your merry way. Because that's what the big boys want. That's really what they want. And Jack Satali, again, that I mentioned a few times over the years, uh, talked about that too. That is the kind of person the government wants. An obedient, happy, non-complaining citizen. But um, we also find, too, uh, this little interesting article. Everyone's been raving for years in the health industry about fluoride in the water and what it does. And everyone's known the effects. There's lots of sites up there that go through the history of fluoride and how it does dumb folk down, makes them more pliable, and how tyrannical governments in the past uh, have deliberately used this to dumb down the populations. It's an old drug. Uh, it's actually a, um, really, uh, um, it, it comes from a, a aluminium, aluminum. It's a byproduct. And uh, at one time it was dumped as a toxic waste. It still is regarded as highly toxic and a poison, by the way, and a rat killer. But they give it to you and your children and your toothpaste and your water in certain doses. And um, it's to make you compliant. I, I thought they'd go the next step and actually use lithium, because we were talking about using lithium in the water, it made manic depressives kind of passive, so it might work on the rest of the population. These are real articles I'm talking about that I've read on the air. But anyway, it's just too much, now it's too much fluoride in the water, which means maybe they are bringing in the lithium, who knows, to replace it. Uh, it says, credit with dramatically cutting cavities and tooth decay, although it, there's no proof of it at all, may now be too much of a good thing. Getting too much of it causes spots on some children's teeth. They've known that forever. Fluorodosis. It's a report, uh, a reported increase in the spotting problem, and they get these little speckled teeth to get. It's all through your bones as well. It makes them brittle. As one reason, the federal government said Friday it plans to lower the recommended levels for fluoride in water supplies, the first such change in nearly 50 years. 
About two out of five adolescents have tooth streaking or spottiness because of too much fluoride. A surprising government study found recently. Oh, it's a surprise, eh? To whom? To the government? Nobody else. In some extreme cases, teeth can even be pitted by the mineral, though many cases are so mild only dentists notice it, sure. The problem is generally considered cosmetic. It's great work for dentists because it ends up causing the cavities. This pitting, as they call it, is through the enamel, eh? <laughs> Health officials note that most communities have fluoride in their water supplies, and toothpaste has it too. Some children are even given fluoride supplements. Oh, did I tell you? So anyway, uh, they're thinking of either reducing the dose or whatever, uh, but I've, I've no doubt that they're going to give you extra drugs in some other way, fashion. Maybe they will put that stuff in that give to manic depressives. Because they're really serious about it. There's people in the U.S., um, congressmen have spoken about using it on the public. And, of course, it comes from even higher positions because we're going through transformations, you understand. They're causing crisis and hardship, and people may get upset and become rebellious. We don't want that, do we? Now, Utah as well, I'm putting a link up tonight to Utah. It's 1.5 billion cybersecurity centers underway. And, of course, it'll go much bigger than 1.5 billion, I'm sure. And it's called the National Security Agency Data Center. And, of course, they, they give it with the usual marketing ploy of saying it's going to create so many jobs. You know, it'll bring 5,000 to 10,000 new jobs during its construction and development phase, Senator Orrin Hatch said on Wednesday. Once completed, it will support 100 to 200 permanent high-paid employees. Well, that's not a lot, really. But I'll tell you that they'll be in, into everybody's computer on a better scale than they are already. And I'm putting up a link tonight, too, to do with um, uh, the Biosense Resource Project. It's a Bioscience Resource Project. It's called Fundamentals in Food and Agriculture. And it's, it's quite good, uh, some quite good articles on this, art, this one here um, to do with what's in your, the various things you're eating uh, that most folk don't know about and the different organizations behind it and involved in it and so on. That would be a quite interesting to read for those who are into it and who care how they're getting poisoned. Another thing, too, is there's been such a hullabaloo for my whole life on um, thimerosal, which is a mercury form, which they put into vaccines. Uh, they pulled it out, supposedly. I don't believe they did, actually, in Britain, I think, 2004. But now, apparently, it's all back in the flu shots again. I've just reconsidered and says it's quite, quite safe to have. So, as it's up to a million children have, have been given vaccines containing mercury this year. Um, up to a million under fives have been inoculated against the flu virus with a controversial vaccine containing poisonous mercury. Pandemrix has been given to almost a quarter of all healthy babies and young children as well as thousands of older children with health problems. Well, that'll make sure they'll have less problems down the road with people objecting about whatever's been done to them. Uh, I'm pretty certain of that. Because um, you've got to understand, governments are deadly serious about control. And they do have departments, really high, hush-hush departments, on keeping the population placid and even in the next generation and so on. And they go ahead with these agendas, and they're kept top secret for 100, sometimes 150 years. They actually do these things. 
You think you're in a democracy? No, you've got to understand what you're... You're under a power of control, a system, a system of control. And that's its main function, is to make sure there's continued control through all the crisis which they will create. Because they have big plans, and you can't change any part of it without creating crisis and fallout in some area or another. Another article tonight will be that the EU, the, the UK, European Union, sends out 4.4 million pounds worth of diaries. These are calendar diaries to schools, which list Muslim, Chinese, and Hindu holidays, but miss out Christmas and Easter. For those who are getting paranoid out there, they're still Christian. It says the European Union has sent millions of diaries to schools, which list the names, the dates of Muslim, Hindu, Sikh, Jewish, and Chinese festivals, but omit any mention of Christian celebrations. In an extraordinary move, 3,000,000 notebooks were printed at a cost of £4.4 million to the taxpayer. Around 350,000 of the diaries have already been shipped to schools in the UK alone. Uh, There's no record for Christmas, Easter or Lent, despite bureaucrats carefully listing the EU's self-styled Europe Day on May the 9th. Ignored, it says... um, uh, the, day, the, the diary ignored the Christian calendar, which will have disappointed Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. Uh, says the EU was forced to apologise in the wake of the blunder. It's not a blunder, I can guarantee that. As religious groups have expressed their disbelief, John Daly, consumer commissioner, said, "We regret this and apologise." I'm very sorry. He says, "Well, apology is general." It actually says, "I'm very sorry." <laughs> you know. Uh, as general, there's been a specific groveling apology sent to the French government and to the French Catholic Bishop Conferences, which has complained secretly to Brussels, or directly to Brussels. Uh, so, they have all that stuff in it, but that's no mistake. It's no mistake. It's just that the history of Europe is supposed to be obliterated. You see, that's part of the agenda. You've got to obliterate the whole history of Europe, and that's what they're doing right now. And for years, actually, they've been, they've been doing that. It's fascinating to look at all the old EU um, countries. A lot of them were Soviet bloc, too. And you look at the leaders of them, and they're all up there as, as parliamentarians, or up even higher than them, because they're run by a, a, a secret bunch at the top in the EU parliament. They were all communists at the time. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and we'll take Clint from Ontario, if he's there. Are, are you there, Clint? Yes, Alan, I am. Uh, good evening. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, talking of change tonight, which we all know is coming quite quickly, uh, I wanted to throw something at you. And it could be trivial, but it's, uh, it's regarding the Antichrist it's going to lead up to. But as you know, and many of the listeners do, I'm sure, of uh, the media pumping out all these... Uh, Earthquakes and sinkholes and the dead birds and the floods and and the uh, scientists speaking of uh, alien visitation and whatnot and and recently just last week them bringing up the uh, the constellation of Ophiuchus and then today actually saying that's wrong but I was wondering I wanted to get your take on it because um, you're an expert at this and you know a lot of you have a lot of good well you see there's nothing you'll see in Revelation 
nothing that they can't. That's what I was getting at. I just wanted to yeah. say it. There's nothing you can see that, that cannot be done through scientific means today. Nothing at all. And I mean, even going in, go, everyone should look into the United Nations and to the treaty uh, signatures for the the harp technologies for for weather warfare from the 70s, right through the 70s to the present. The harp, Alan, do you think it, it could be a part of like? Oh, a harp can cause earthquakes. It can cause floods uh, and collusion with spraying the air. They said with with metallic particles. This is in the treaty, by the way. Um, going back to the 1950s, from when when uh, Teller said they could spray the, the, the sky with metallic particles and use uh, EMP along with it, uh, he, he said they could cause all kinds of uh, of. Uh, actually, he said it would, this would this would make the atom bomb obsolete. He said they could destroy whole nations with floods, hurricanes, uh, changes of weather, freezing, heat, whatever they decided to, to use. They could actually do then, and earthquakes too, tornadoes, tsunamis, all that stuff is included in the treaties. And every country that had this technology signed on to it, it was already working back then. And so uh, it's, it's quite simple. I watched them spraying the skies yesterday, and then like crazy, and then I went outside at night, looked at the moon. It was 10 below freeze, and that was Fahrenheit, 10 below zero, I should say, uh, Fahrenheit, and it should be a crystal clear sky. It wasn't. And there was a, uh, an orange glow around the moon because of this rubbish they'd sprayed in the air. So I'm, I don't get upset. Um, I, I always thought years ago they would eventually use revelation uh, to bring in. See, they'll use every belief system there is uh, to, to make things seem plausible to the public that this is some will of God or whatever. They've already used the UFO um, scares in the past. Uh, you've got to remember the big scare they used using Orson Welles when he read H.G. Wells's book, uh, War of the Worlds. People literally thought this was a really happening. He spoke with a newsman's voice and um, thousands of folk were coming out of the cities trying to get away from aliens which did not exist. This kind of stuff goes on all the time. So whatever they can use to make convince people that they must buckle under and, and, and make changes and, and just do what they're told will be used, including religious predictions. Uh, so that's, that's really where I see that. But there's nothing, absolutely nothing they cannot do that was in Revelation. I mean, plague, famine, pestilence. I mean, we have the best viral and warfare labs in Canada than that they have in most of the rest of the world. We led viral and bacterial warfare since World War II in Canada here. Uh, we can bring on pestilences without a problem, uh, not all, not, especially when five agribusinesses own the entire food supply of the world. And they also create, they genetically modify all the different bugs that, that, that prey on the predators of the crops. <laughs> There's nothing they can't do. So we've got to go through this and keep cool while we're doing it. But thanks for calling. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, as good nights, and may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>